If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we'll be looking at maybe two familiar stories, two stories that on the surface we might think, man, what does this have to do with us? I mean, we have a man here who has leprosy. We have a man paralyzed. I mean, what does this have to do with anybody in here? Well, I think as we hear God's word today, we will see clearly that it has everything to do with every single one of us here this morning. Let's read God's word beginning in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. It says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and sh show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report of him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from J Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what had been lying on what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray together to the Lord. Father, we ask this morning. That as we hear your word, as we put ourselves under your word, as we see ourselves, as we see our lives, our hearts before you, Lord, that we would see how desperate we truly are. And Lord, we would see and feel exactly what your word says today, that you have the power to heal. That the power of Jesus to heal this leper and to heal this paralyzed man would be ever present in this room, Lord, for sinners, for sufferers, for, pe for people who are desperate for Jesus. And so, Lord, I have no hope in, in my word, but I have complete hope in your word. 
that by the power of your spirit, for the joy of your peoples, for the glory of your name, that sitting under your word today, Lord, we would be able to leave saying we have seen extraordinary things today. Lord, would you do that? By the power of your spirit, we ask. Amen. Well, what do you see when you look in the mirror in the morning? What do you see when you look in the mirror this morning? What's the first thing that comes to mind when, when you look at you? I remember the old Stuart Smalley skit way back in the day for those old Saturday Night Live watchers, the motivational speaker, Stuart Smalley, used to look at the mirror, if you remember, and he would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. He was uh, motivating himself every morning, and, and that's exactly what every single one of us have been discipled to, to think about ourselves. We've been discipled and trained by the world to believe that when we look in the mirror, when we look at this person looking back at us, the answer is lying here within me. All my hopes, all my dreams, all my untapped potential, all the unending capabilities are lying here with me. I mean, from a young age, we're trained to trust our own self-sufficiency, to, to live in self-reliance, to build up our self-confidence. I like to say it's the, the Disneyfication of the American people, or, or really the, the Disneyfication of the church today where many of us have been discipled and trained up by Walt Disney more than the very Word of God. We've earned a degree in Disney, and it's leaving us in a mess because when we get out our smartphones and we start scrolling through our Instagrams, we see Disney seems to be working for everyone else's filtered life. But when we look at our own life, we feel disappointed. We feel depressed. We feel defeated. When we look within ourselves, we see our own self-reliance has, has proved itself to be unreliable. Maybe we look at ourselves again and again and again, but when we look at ourselves, we find ourselves coming up empty, not being enough. What we need today as God's people, what we need today in the church more than ever is a degree not in Disney. We need a degree in desperation. We need a degree in desperation. We need to be trained and discipled on what it looks to be needy. What it looks to be weak, what it looks to be helpless, to know we can't be self-reliant, to have self-confidence, to, to think we're self-sufficient, but to Cast ourselves on the Lord. And, th and that's what we get when we turn off Disney and we turn to the Gospels. We, we find ourselves getting a course in desperation. A course in desperation. We, we find here a story about a leper who is desperate to be clean. And we see ourselves. 
We find here a story of a, a paralyzed man who has to be carried on a mat. He, he's desperate to walk again, and we see ourselves. Two men on the surface who look nothing like anybody in here this morning, but who are exactly like everyone in here this morning. Two people look, who look nothing like anybody in here this morning, but who are exactly like each and every one of us. We are desperate. You are desperate. You're more desperate than you realize. You're needy. You're broken. You're sick. You're weak. You're helpless. And the prayer this morning is, Lord, help us see it. And as we see it, help us see Jesus. There's good news this morning. For the desperate. There's good news for the desperate. Because the first thing we see in our story is that Jesus can make the unclean clean. Jesus can make the unclean clean. The first story we come to is this desperate man who's, the, the Bible says, full of leprosy. Le- leprosy could be anything from a small mark on your skin to an advanced case where your whole body is filled with boils and scabs all over you. So this man, when the Bible says he is full of leprosy, it's an advanced case. It's, he's in a horrible condition. Cons- consider him, he's, he's the worst in town, the worst in the area. So he, he would be filled with physical pain where, where he would maybe have nerve damage or nerve pains, itching and bleeding, maybe loss of nerves and causes of injury. But, but one of the worst parts for a leper is, is the psychological, the emotional struggles of being, of having leprosy. See, a leprous man or woman, they, they were outcasts in society. They... They must stay away from people. In fact, a a leper was supposed to walk through the town. And if anybody got near, he was supposed to yell out, unclean, I'm I'm unclean, don't don't get near me. It was his responsibility to keep people at a distance, to, to notify people, hey, I am untouchable. I'm untouchable. Can you imagine the sadness. Can you imagine the, the sense of sadness, the, the sense of unworthiness? Put yourself in that man's shoes, the, the loneliness, the, the separation from people because of who you are. It might be like an AIDS patient would feel back in the 80s. Or if you were in India, it might be Somebody that would be considered to be in the lowest of the caste system. They're actually called the untouchables in India. Or maybe it's someone here that would find themselves homeless. Maybe an addict, maybe a refugee, a a divorcee. Somebody, maybe other people keep at an arm's length. Really anything in your heart that could make you feel unclean that could make you feel shame make you feel not enough make you feel desperate which is literally every single person in here right now there are people in here who who feel unclean because of sins of your past 
Right now, there's people in here who feel not enough because of the, the reason your, your marriage right now is in a mess. There's so many things that could make you feel unclean, unworthy, that could make you feel like you're not only a... Even if you're sitting by people here this morning, you're not only in a distance from people in your heart, Jesus keeps you at arm's distance. And now this leper who's supposed to be outside of the city, he, he's now coming into the crowded streets. This leper who's supposed to be shouting, hey, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. All he can do is fall on his face in desperation. In his desperation, he, he falls on his face where the desperate go to find hope. At the feet of Jesus. And he humbly begs. He desperately pleads in verse 12. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice the question is, it's not, can Jesus heal the man? The leper is not questioning Jesus' ability to heal. Words already spread, spread throughout the whole area that Jesus has the power to heal. He can heal people of their diseases. He can turn water into to wine. He can sink a fishing boat with, with fish. He, he can cast out demons. He has the power to heal. The question is not, can Jesus heal? Heal the man. No, the question for him and for us, this is the question we often ask. Does he even want to? Does he want to heal me? Because nobody else wants to get near the leper. Like nobody else wants to help him. Nobody else wants to touch him. You, you couldn't afford to. But, because if you were to touch him, you would become defiled. If you were clean and you would touch what is unclean, you would be defiled. And so you would lose everyone in your life. You would have to be distanced from everyone and everything that you knew to be true in your life. In fact, the, the law taught clearly that for a clean person to touch the unclean was forbidden. We read this today in our, our Bible. If you're reading through the, the Bible with the church this year, this is today's passage, Leviticus 13. For the clean to touch the unclean, they would become unclean. They would be defiled. And so if there was ever a slow motion moment in the Gospels, it was right here in verse 13. If it, there was ever a slow motion moment, it's as the camera zooms in and, and Jesus stretches out his hand, the Bible says in verse 13, and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Jesus could have just said a word, right? I mean, we see this in all these other stories of Jesus' healing. Jesus can just say the word and he would be clean. But Jesus, full of grace, full of compassion, reaches out to this desperate man and touches him. And says, I will 
be clean. What we witness, instead of the clean becoming unclean, Jesus makes the unclean clean. Instantly. Immediately. We see here the cleansing power and grace of Jesus who cannot be defiled by the greatest disease. The cleansing power of Jesus who cannot be defiled of the greatest disease. But this is why it's good news to you and to me. Because it's the cleansing power and grace of Jesus who cannot be defiled by your greatest sin. It's the cleansing power and grace of Jesus that with one touch, with one word, you can be clean in an instant. How can the clean one, the righteous one, the perfect one, touch that which is unclean? And instead of becoming unclean, it makes, he makes the unclean clean. Well, it's the same way that the blood of Jesus can make something white as snow. That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? The blood of Jesus used used as a holy, grace-filled detergent to make something clean, to make something white as snow. But that's what we already sang this morning. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other, no other fount I know. Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus can touch the unclean and make them clean. Jesus' blood can wash away every sin and make you white as snow. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus has the power to make the unclean clean. As I was thinking about this this week, I I was thinking about when I went to Istanbul, and I I got to visit the Blue Mosque, which is a beautiful building. This Blue Mosque, it's there in the middle of Istanbul. It's the main mosque that all the prayers go out from in Istanbul. One of the most beautiful buildings that you will ever see in your life. But in the same moment, at the most beautiful building, I saw the most sad sight that I'd ever seen. Sad sight of men coming up to these Latrines are coming and they're washing their faces and they're washing their hands and they're washing their feet. They're washing their arms. And and one Muslim man said that this purification ritual, the purpose of it was to prepare you for an appointment with God. To prepare you for an appointment with God so you could go in to pray. Brothers and sisters, only Jesus can prepare you and, pur- and purify you. Only Jesus can make you clean for an appointment with God. Only Jesus can usher you into the presence of God by touching you and making you clean, by His blood washing you white as snow. And listen, Jesus not only makes the unclean clean, He, he don't, not, doesn't only have the ability to do this, He wants to do it. He loves to do it. Listen, Jesus 
delights to touch the untouchable. I mean, if you think you're in that category this morning, if you think you're filled with shame and with guilt, and Jesus would want to keep you at a distance this morning, no, Jesus delights to touch the untouchable. It's not that he will do it. He wills to do it. He desires to do it. He loves to do it. He he loves to embrace those that others keep at a distance. The downcast, the outcast. So let me just ask this morning, everyone in here, do you feel unclean today? Do you in your desperation sense only your shame today? Do you feel untouchable? Well, Jesus loves, loves to reach out to you by grace and to touch you. He loves to cleanse you from all your sin. He loves to make you clean. And He can do it. And He will do it if you just cry out, Lord, you can. Lord, you can. Will you make me? You can make me clean. The second thing we see in our passage is There's even more good news for the desperate here this morning. Jesus not only can make the unclean clean, Jesus can make the unable able. Jesus can make the unable able. The next story we come to is a man just as desperate. A desperate man who is lying on a mat. At first I wanted to call this message the the leper and the lame. Because alliteration is awesome and that would be awesome. But, but the, more, the more I thought about it, this man is a lot more desperate than a lame man. The lame in the Bible are those who can still walk. They just can walk with a lot of difficulty, a lot of discomfort. It might be someone who has to walk with a cane or someone who walks with a limp, but they can still walk. But that's not the case with this man. Walking is not just difficult. It is impossible. He's unable to walk. This man can't even come to Jesus on his own in his desperation. This man has to be brought to Jesus in his desperation, brought by his friends. And we look at this passage, we see their determination to go to Jesus where he's teaching. And and it's so crowded that they can't even get to Jesus. So in their desperation, they go up to the rooftop. And and the Bible says in Mark, literally, they unroof the roof. They unroof the roof. They start moving tiles. They start moving mud. And in their desperation, they lower him to the only place where the desperate find hope. At the feet of Jesus. The same place the leper found himself. At the feet of Jesus. Of Jesus. And the Bible says at that moment, Jesus sees their faith. You know what faith is? It's their desperate hope that Jesus alone can help. Their desperate hope that Jesus alone can help. They're not showing up at the party thinking that Jesus is a good option to help. They believe with everything in them that Jesus is the only option. 
That's what faith is. Jesus is the only option to help. He's the only one who can save me and rescue me and heal me. And Jesus looks with him at compassion in verse 20. And he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus wants to take care of his greatest need, his spiritual paralysis before his physical paralysis. The only problem is today there's a few more people in the crowd. There's a bunch of religious people in the crowd. Pharisees and teachers of the law, Luke says. It's the first mention of the Pharisees in the Gospel of Luke. These were non-priestly leaders. We need to see them as like the police. They're they're policing the law. They're, They're making sure people are observing and watching what they're doing and keeping the law, they're religious referees. So this teacher, this common man, this carpenter from Nazareth, sitting here pronouncing the forgiveness of sins over people, that's a big deal. That's a big problem. And these referees start blowing their whistle. They started thinking in their hearts, saying to themselves, look at verse 21. Who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but god alone they're drawing all the right conclusions from the law if this man thinks he can forgive sins then this man thinks he's god that's the right conclusion right if if this man thinks he can forgive sins then this man thinks he's god and so what's what's jesus's response in verse 22 Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven to you? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk. It's a rhetorical question to the crowds, but it's an easy one to answer, right? It's easier to say, your sins are forgiven because that can't be proven. That's that's easy to say, your sins are forgiven, because that can't be proven. There's no way to visually verify, yes, that man's sins are forgiven. There was no way to prove Jesus wrong. But, Jesus says in verse 24, but that you may know that it might be proven to you in this moment that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. We have another slow motion moment where Jesus turns to the paralyzed man away from the religious leaders and he says this, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up. And immediately he rose up and took the bed that had carried him in there. Now he's carrying it out as he goes home, rejoicing and giving glory to God. Do you see what Jesus is saying? If the Son of Man can say, rise, and immediately a paralyzed man can walk, then the Son of Man can say, you're forgiven, and immediately your sins are gone forever. Jesus can do that. For anybody in here this morning. 
He can speak words of assurance by saying, man, your sins are forgiven. Woman, your sins are forgiven. And immediately they are gone forever. They're cast to the bottom of the sea. They're as far as the east is from the west. They're cast behind the back of Jesus. So he will never, ever remember them, never recall them to mind ever again. This is the enabling power and grace of Jesus that can say to a paralyzed man, rise up and walk. It's the enabling power and grace of Jesus that can say to a paralyzed heart this morning, rise up and walk. This is the only hope for the desperate heart this morning. It's the only hope for the desperate heart, for the heart Suffering from the paralysis of sin. It's the only hope. You can't make your heart alive. Your best works can't regenerate your heart. Can't make you brand new. There's no religious defibrillator for your heart. No religious defibrillator that you can add to your heart. No amount of reading. No amount of giving. No amount of trying. No amount of praying. No amount of serving. There's only one hope for the paralyzed heart. And that's casting yourselves at the feet of Jesus. Finding yourself desperate at the feet of Jesus. Because only Jesus can make the unable able. Only Jesus can make a paralyzed heart rise up and walk. Only Jesus can make the dead alive. Only Jesus can forgive you of your sins. I know we say a lot of times in our culture, hey, you just need to learn to forgive yourself. That's sweet. It's just not biblical. Your greatest concern is not forgiving yourself. Your greatest concern is being forgiven by a holy God through His only Son, Jesus Christ. And He loves to, He delights to forgive you this morning. To make your dead heart alive. To say in your worst sins, in your greatest shame, rise up and walk. Now to my knowledge, no one came in here this morning filled with leprosy. No one came in here paralyzed. I didn't see anybody bringing their friends in on a mat this morning. You might think, what what does this story really have to do with me? I'm not a leper. I'm not a lame man or woman. What does this have to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with every single person in here because every single one of us is desperate. Every single one of us is desperate, whether you realize it or not. You're desperate for Jesus. And God loves to help the desperate and only the desperate. One Puritan said, Jesus came for sinners and only for sinners. For those who are desperate, for those who are sick, those who know that they're needy, those who know that they're weak, those who know that they're helpless. In fact, God only helps those who cannot help themselves, who know they're not enough. 
Those who've come to realize my only hope is not inside of me. But it comes from outside of me. My only hope is Jesus. Who lived a perfect life I could never live. Who died on a cross in my place for my sins. And who rose again so that I could rise up and live forever. Forever clean. Forever forgiven. Forever alive in Him. See, faith is the renouncing of all reliance on yourself and collapsing all your reliance on Jesus. That's what it means to have faith in Jesus. It's renouncing all self-reliance on you and collapsing all your reliance on Jesus this morning. And so my final point is this. Brothers and sisters, this was you, this is you, and this can be you today. This was you, this is you, this can be you today. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, this is you. This was you. You you were the leper. You have to see this. You were the outcast. You were the forgotten. You were the un touchable and jesus full of grace touched you and that's the only reason you're clean you were the paralyzed you were the immovable you had a dead heart that was not alive and jesus by his grace said rise up and your paralyzed heart became alive where there wasn't a heartbeat of faith there was a heartbeat because of jesus I want you to remember, I want you to realize, I want you to rejoice in the fact this morning that if it wasn't for Jesus, you would still be unclean. Like you would not be welcomed into the presence of a holy God. But because of Jesus, you are clean. You are welcome. You can rejoice in his holy presence because Christ has made you clean. You, if it wasn't for Jesus, you would still be unable You would not be walking by faith because you were dead, but now you are alive in Christ. Just as we sang earlier, all the redeemed washed by his blood. Come and rejoice at his great love. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. Christ has defeated every sin. Cast all your burdens now on him. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. He's your only hope. If you're a believer in Christ, though, this is still you. And this is the part that we often miss. This is the part we still miss so often. Yes, you are clean forever in Christ. Yes, you are alive forever in Christ. But you're still just as desperate for Jesus. You never graduate from desperation because you never graduate from grace. I need grace. Listen, you need grace as much today as the day you first fell at the feet of Jesus. And God, by his grace, wants to cultivate, because he's kind and he's good and he loves you, he wants to cultivate a desperation, a weakness in you that depends on his grace. 
What would it look like for you and me to just get comfortable at the feet of Jesus? Like just, just to find ourselves daily desperate at the feet of Jesus. Just to stay there, to live there, to, to find a home at the feet of Jesus. To have the heart and the attitude daily of a beggar. A beggar, Jack Miller says this, a beggar is someone who says, you have everything, or I have everything. I mean, I have nothing, and you have everything. I have nothing, and you have everything. What would it be like for you to wake up with a heart that says, Jesus, if you don't touch my heart today, if you don't move in me today, if you don't meet with me and go with me today, I am lost. Listen, desperation doesn't go down when you receive saving grace. You need his daily sustaining grace. You need the manna that only he can give you. One way to do this is to follow Jesus out of desperation into desolate places. Do you see that in our passage where it says that Jesus, he would withdraw, withdraw to desolate places and pray. And we need to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus saying every day of our lives, Lord, I need you. Lord, I am desperate for you. Another way is when you read the Bible, when you read stories like this, always see yourself as the lowest person in the Bible. Always see yourself as the most desperate person in the story. Trust me, you don't want to be the, the Pharisee that thinks you're good enough, that thinks you've done enough, that thinks you're smart enough, that thinks you, you have it together. You want to be the leper. You want to be the paralyzed man desperate on your face before Jesus. Maybe a final way would be to, to join, join a church full of people who just know they're not enough. Join a church where people know they're desperate. Who have crushed all self-confidence, who know that self-sufficiency is an illusion, who've repented of self-reliance and collapsed themselves on Jesus. And next Sunday, they're going to come back and collapse on Jesus again. And next Sunday, they're going to come back and collapse all their hope on Jesus again. This was you. This is you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And this morning, if if you're not a Christian, this can be you today. I want you to hear that. This can be you today. If you would just see yourself as unclean, like, a, like an unclean leopard desperately falling at the feet of Jesus. If you would see your heart as unable, like a paralyzed man desperately lying at the feet of Jesus. If you would just cry out, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus not only can cleanse you, Jesus wants to. Cry out to Jesus in desperation. Cry out to the only hope for sinners. And he would love to make you new today. He would love to make you new. Listen to 1 John Chapter 1, verse 9, that brings both of these stories together. It says this. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you would just confess your sins, He is faithful and just. He is good God. If He did not forgive you, if He didn't cleanse you, He would quit being God. But because He's good and He's gracious, if you would just cry out and confess your sins to to Him, He'll forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you forever of all unrighteousness. All you need to do in this moment is confess. All Jesus is asking for is your desperation. All, All you need is to know that you need Him. And He will be the answer for your greatest need. Even as we'll sing here in a moment, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. Oh, what grace it would be to be able just to to wake up in the morning and, and look at yourself in the mirror and not say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. But to wake up every day and say, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm needy. I'm helpless. I am not enough. But Jesus, Jesus is more than enough for me. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that by the power of your Spirit, that you would show us that we are the leper, that we are the paralyzed man, that that outside of the cleansing power of Jesus, outside of the enabling power of Jesus, Lord, we would be unclean forever. Lord, we would be paralyzed, dead in our sin forever. But God, because of your great grace, because of your great grace, we can confess our sins. And you who are faithful and just, you who are good and gracious, gracious Lord, you forgive us of our sins. And you purify us, you cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, convince us today. Convince us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. Show us and convict us, Lord, that we can't rely on ourselves, that we can't be confident in ourselves, that we are not enough in and of ourselves, but that we're in desperate need of Jesus. So that whether it's the first time, Lord, or the thousandth time, Lord, that we would fall at the feet of Jesus. We would fall at the feet of Jesus, our all-sufficient Savior. And that, Lord, renouncing all reliance on ourselves, we would collapse all our confidence, all our reliance on Jesus Christ. Lord, would you do that for us by the power of your Spirit, for the joy of your people, Lord, for the glory of your name, Lord. Would you show us our desperation? And, Lord, would you... Fulfill all our desperate need in the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, both now and forever.
Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.